Hi, everybody. It's really wonderful to be here. I don't think I've ever stepped behind this podium, so it's a nice view. Um, I'm really delighted to be here with you tonight, and I'm going to flip the scripture into one of the stories, so we'll go ahead and you'll hear that in a moment, the found scripture from the Watershed Retreat. Um, But tonight, I I have a series of five stories that I want to share with you. They're reflections from my time with the garden over some of them literally the last week and the last months. Um, At the end of every story or reflection, I'm going to have a, a special reflection for all of us to sit with. And so I'm going to pause at the end of that, giving time for it to settle into your hearts and minds and spirits, um, maybe a little bit like rain on some fertile soil. So be ready for the garden puns. (laughs) Every story and reflection has a title, and this one is Restorying, which is a word I hope you're becoming really familiar with. Guided by curiosity and the question, what is happening here? We at Richmond Hill have been spending time examining our relationship with rain, the rain that falls here and the stormwater that flows here. When presented with the opportunity to maintain our connection to the old story, the story of being connected to systems that send the water away, downslope, downstreet, down the river, systems that send the rain elsewhere, we chose to write a new story. The new story is a story of reciprocity with rain. In reciprocal relationship, we receive rain where it falls as a gift. And we work with rain even as it flows as stormwater within the gardens and grounds, as it flows into and through our local watershed that centers around Shaco Creek. By embracing the new story, we chose to restory ourselves into our watershed. We are engaged in the act of both rewriting and restoring our relationship with rain. Last month, a group of community members gathered with Katie and me to explore what it means for Richmond Hill to be engaged in the very sciencey and technical act of installing more green stormwater infrastructure recommended to us by the Groundwork RBA Green Team and their youth, who actively advocate for practices like rain gardens, rainwater harvesting, and permeable pavement. These practices will further disconnect us from the systems that push the water away and connect us with water and acts of reciprocity, again, putting us in relationship with the rain that falls here. During the retreat, our group wrote, found scripture that describes our story, scripture inspired by Isaiah and spoken to us by the Spirit. And I'll read that now for you. When the parched and disconnected seek water, and there is none, and their spirit is overcome with thirst, I, the gardener, will renourish them. I, the God of creation, will not let go of them. I will open the hearts of the people on Richmond Hill and create healing in the midst of the neglected land. I will make the community an oasis of living water and the hurting sacred land a friend of water. I will put in the garden entrance, the parking lot, the cottage, 
chapel, the historic wall, and the downslope. I will set in the soaking surfaces, the rain gardens, the cisterns, and the ponds together, so that all of creation may find healing and wholeness. All of creation may be reconnected and live in reciprocity. That the lover of the land has done this. The Holy One of watersheds has restored it. It's beautiful, right? Just let that sit for a minute. (laughs) The garden offers us the opportunity to change our minds, giving us space to do things differently, to repair what is wrong and do what we now know is right. Muscle memory. On any given day in the garden, you may find me, co-gardener Allison with me, and one of our dedicated volunteers removing ivy, bamboo shoots, lyrope grass, or any number of other invasive and at times aggressive plants. A monocrop of sorts, they outcompete everything in their path. It's tough work. It's tedious work pulling up the roots of a plant that is wholeheartedly committed to being there. A plant that was planted even with good intentions. When Allison and I are in the midst of this work, we name it as work of decolonization. Ivy, bamboo, nandina, laropi grass, and others have colonized many spaces in the garden, overrunning other plants, choking out sunlight, soaking up the nutrients and water sought by other non-invasive and less aggressive plants. Doing this work, the garden gives us the opportunity to feel the work of decolonization in our bones, in our muscles, and for me, it builds my capacity by giving me the gift of muscle memory knowledge that I need to do, I need to have for doing my own work of decolonization. Decolonizing the garden gives us the opportunity to say, no, not here, not now, not anymore. As we remove what we know should no longer take up space, have supremacy, we are given the opportunity to fill, in, fill, it, fill it in with what is right, what is good, what is nourishing, and what shares space. The garden is a mirror of what we are sorting out together. Walking the weeded path. And sometimes, in the work of decolonization, the weeds pop up, at least temporarily. Taking the area to the left on the walk to the labyrinth, for example, three years ago, as a community, we began removing bamboo. 
In its place, Allison and I diligently plant cover crop seeds, plants like the bright crimson clover that you see now, and last fall, the cheery, short-flowered stalks of buckwheat and the tall, elegant stalks of sun hemp. They hold space in the waiting. While we stomp back the bamboo shoots in the spring and prune the bamboo stalks to the ground in the summer and fall. Weeds, too, pop up there. Their seeds spread by wind to the neighboring labyrinth path. The other day, while walking the labyrinth, a flood of insight entered into my internal wonderings, and the weeds growing there spoke to me as I walked. They spoke about how sometimes, while my newly planted intentions grow, other things also come and hold space in between. These holding space ones are not necessarily bad or good. They just are, for now. The weeds reminded me of my own exposed cracks and crevices open to what can float in. The weeds there are wild ones, and in their outspoken wildness, they point to how sometimes I can be uncomfortable with what grows wild, especially in places where I'm not expecting it or wanting it. They reminded me of how uncomfortable I can be if others see what grows wild within me. On this day, it was my own inner wildness that was mirrored back to me, the part of me that yearns to be free and how, on my path toward healing and integration, to my cultivated self, my inner wildness, both unpredictably and like the wild ones on my path, at times uncomfortably, irritatingly, claim space. The garden is a mirror for what I am sorting out internally. Peace be with you. On my way to work in the garden last week, which was Easter week, I listened to the Pray As You Go app's daily meditation on the move, selection telling Jesus of Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. I reflected together with the narrator on what it must have been like as a disciple to see Jesus, to hear him, and to see him eat. Placing myself in the sandals of the disciples, I imagined what I may have felt. Would my heart have been racing at the sight of the one who I thought was gone and dead? Would I be out of breath in shock and in anticipation? With butterflies in my stomach? Yes. In this post-resurrection story, we read that when Jesus came and stood among them, he said, peace be with you. I imagine that I would have, at least eventually, recognized and remembered in my very body Jesus' particular peace that surely oozed out of his pores in that moment, enfolding all those near. One of the best things about the Richmond Hill Garden is the ability for people to come over and over again, and much like we would in relationship with an old friend, we get to know the garden and all its spaces over time. 
Over time, much like the relationship between the disciples and Jesus and how it grew, we grow closer to the garden. I believe the garden grows closer to us also. In time and in trust and in solidarity, we build our friendship. When I go to the garden here, I feel that, and perhaps you do too. The garden is here with us as a healing presence, holding us in an act of co-regulation, grounding us. We know from both scientific studies and exploration in the field of therapeutic horticulture and from our own experience that the garden supports us and our nervous systems during times of distress, grief, trauma, and shock. The garden also gives us support during times of laughter, play, elation, and joy. The garden loves us, accepts us, and, as Jesus did, offers us the gift of peace. We often say how much we love this garden, but do we know, do you know, that the garden loves you back? Both and. Last week, I had the opportunity to garden alongside two volunteer students from the University of Richmond, inspired by Dr. Laurenette Lee to dig in deeper to the Judy Project. They came to tend the garden near the dwelling with me, and we ended up focusing our time on the space surrounding the Black Madonna. First, we divided herbs from the veggie garden and transplanted them to the space at her feet with the hope that the snails might actually leave these ones alone. We'll see. (laughs) Then we replanted grasses that had been planted last fall but removed in January to make room for the ground-penetrating radar to scan that section of the garden. To be honest, I had tucked away the grasses, having temporarily replanted them in their nursery pots, put them in a spot underneath a nearby tree, and forgotten them. They should have been replanted in February, after I had cut back their old growth blades near to the ground in order to make room for new growth. But they were mostly out of mind until they became a part of last week's project. After planting the herbs and tidying the space, we replanted the grasses, framing the Black Madonna from behind with their mix of last year's growth, this year's growth, and spent seed heads. I wondered aloud about it, the mix of the past and the new life there, and quickly the students and I began co-creating meaning for the experience. They planted the grasses, their old blades remaining, with the new blades beginning to grow alongside them. It reminds me of how, in healing work, we begin by noticing, observing, naming, and learning what has been. It reminds me of how often new growth comes alongside the old growth from the past. Noticing and naming this, we planted with an intention to notice and name and learn about what has taken place in that space 
while welcoming the new growth that comes along too. The garden is a holy presence, holding space for us to process what has been, while at the same time joining us in the act of co-creating what is to come. I'll finish with a reminder, as I think probably nearly everybody here knows, that the garden is open to you to explore, most often Tuesdays through Fridays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. For those of you who live here, you get the early and the evening hours also. Um, But I hope that tonight, hearing these stories, you will hear the opportunity to know that the garden is open more than just for business hours. The garden is open for your spirit, for your friendship, for you to pull weeds if you'd like to join us in the mysteries of that. I cannot, (laughs) I even did a reflection about how cool it can be to talk to weeds. Um, But but truly, and, and all jokes aside, the garden is is, I believe, this holy presence here with us to work within and through, and the garden is there working through us as well. We love the garden, and the garden loves us back. Amen. Amen. Amen.